General Alexander A. Vandegrift, when plans suddenly change for the worst. In 1962, General Alexander A. Vandegrift, who commanded the 1st Marine Division during the Battle of Guadalcanal, was interviewed by writer-historian Robert A. Aspie. In one segment of the interview, Vandegrift discusses the planning and preparation for the beach landing scheduled to occur on 7 August 1942. The invasion, codenamed Watchtower, had several complications that threatened success. First, it was rushed. General Vandegrift had not received the warning order for the Guadalcanal landing until 26 June. He had been previously assured by U.S. Navy leadership that his division would not see combat before 1943. There was a serious deficit in solid intelligence about Guadalcanal and the enemy forces. Marine and Navy command relations were sketchy and proved to be problematic and the Japanese had air superiority over Guadalcanal. In this clip, Vandegrift receives more bad news delivered only two weeks before the landing. The Navy's Joint Expeditionary Force Commander, Rear Admiral Frank J. Fletcher, informs Vandegrift of constraints on the landing operation, specifically in regarding unloading supplies. See, the first thing we did was we were on the boot with uh, Jack Fletcher's force. And it was quite a sight to see all those ships that we thought were still men in. So fine to, to cover our landing. Was that like a carrier bullet? Yeah, it's a carrier bullet. And so, uh, Fletcher sent a signal well, Trevor and I to uh, operating force to come aboard his carrier for conference. And so we got off of Macaulay into the uh, destroyer and proceeded to the area of the flagship. And it was the roughest darn sea that you have ever seen in your life. We couldn't come alongside. We got in a small boat. And we had a time with that. And Admiral McCain, being the senior one aboard our destroyer, he had the air escort, uh, Pacific Air. He had privilege of being the first one to make it. And as the line swung out, he would grab it and you would roll with it back in to the ship. And just as he rolled into the ship, someone opened a chute and he was deluged with milk. With what? Milk. He was the maddest little animal I ever saw. <laughs> but he took it very well. We finally all got aboard, and we had this conference, and the scheme was laid out. And at that time, 
sent him, announced that he would have to leave. And I said, and Kelly Turner said too, that he would, would stay until after the landing was complete. I said that this is not a hit or miss show, and this is not the old days of calling away the landing force, but it's a, it has to have air cover, and uh, we expect the carrier force to give it. He said he couldn't stay. I said, I said, uh, that you should stay at least three days. I, oh, I think I said five days. <laughs> and he said he could not stay longer than the third day. And that was final. Oh, sir, was this, was this run through at uh, S region? No, it was under C. Was this, was this before you made the, the rehearsal? Yeah, before we made the rehearsal. I think it was before they made the rehearsal. Well, that's right. I'm quite I sure it was. Mm -hmm. Just playing out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, in the middle of the ocean because uh, they had some ship's gun firing at, uh, in the rehearsal, don't you see, no? on the covering board. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he, besides, he wasn't yeah. thought his, his carrier in there anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, um, he at first just wanted to shove off entirely. Well, he wanted to shove off right after the lane. Mm -hmm. And he damn near did, too. Mm. This, you, you now have a, a question in your own mind after this conference. In other words, about his attitude. Well, I did, because I, I thought it was entirely wrong, and I still think so. He had killed. Well, some of his vessels had fueled, I know, in the Fiji. And I couldn't, when, it, when we got word that he was leaving because he had to refuel, I couldn't see how they had to refuel in that short length of time. The three-day restriction on unloading a division's worth of supplies was a severe problem. If enemy aircraft had succeeded in destroying the few supplies Marines and sailors hurriedly stacked on the beach, the campaign most likely would have failed. It is little wonder that a Marine historian wrote about the Guadalcanal operation. Seldom has an operation been under more disadvantageous circumstances. Yet the Marines of the 1st Marine Division, supported by Marine Air Squadrons, held on and eventually the tide was turned against the Japanese. It created a landmark success. Indeed, Guadalcanal was the turning point of the Pacific War. We must ask then, are Marines being trained today to be ready to fight and hold on without the full logistic support they are accustomed to? Furthermore, are considerations made for rapid revised planning when the original plan is significantly altered due to unforeseen circumstances. For additional reading on Vandegraaff or the Guadalcanal campaign, read Once a Marine by Robert Aspie or No Bended Knee by General Merrill B. Twining.